Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. We are in a series called, How Do You Feel? And you know, we, we, we've started this series because difficult times, uh, pandemics, uh, challenging times, they tend to bring out the worst feelings. They tend to bring out negative feelings to the surface. And I know that during this time, uh, many people have lost their jobs. Many people are growing desperate of the lockdown. Uh, you know, the fact that we can't gather like we used to. All that stuff affects us. And as, as your pastor, we, we want to be able to equip you. We want to be able to help you. We want to be able to guide you to overcome, to be able to make front to these negative feelings. Now, we're not professionals. Or at least I'm not. We have some trained professionals in our church. And I'll introduce you to one of them uh, before the service ends. We're not trained professionals, professionals or counselors or therapists. But here's what we do have. We have this. We have the word of God. And in the word of God, there's power and there's truth. So what we've been doing is that we've been looking at the word of God to know how to deal with our feelings, to deal when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel fear, when we feel worry, when we feel anxiety. And last week I shared with you my testimony on depression and I want to continue that today. Uh, so let's pray. Are you ready to receive God's word? You know, I told my friend Renee that I was going to adopt his thing of, of asking you to say, are you ready? If you're ready, ready, would you type it on there? Say, Pastor, I'm ready. Would you tell the Lord, Lord, I'm ready to receive your word. Would you tell yourself, I'm ready. I'm not here just uh, out of religious obligation. I'm not here just to gossip and see who's here or who's not. No, no, I'm here because I'm ready to receive God's word. Are you ready? If you're ready, would you type that on there? And let me pray so that we can jump into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you're awesome. You love us. You love us, Lord, right where we are and with whatever we may be struggling, you love us. And because you love us, Lord, you desire to get us out of these negative feelings. You desire to get us out of this uh, valley of shadow and death, Lord. So I pray that your word will not only fill our, our minds, but that it will touch our hearts and transform our lives. Father, use me for your glory. Teach us something new about you. Correct any wrong views that we may have about you. But most importantly, Lord, that what we learn, we would apply. That we would make it real in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, there's a difference between feeling depressed and having depression. We all feel depressed at from time to time. We all feel down from time to time, especially when unfortunate, when sad, when bad things happen to us. But usually those feelings go away after a day or two, especially when the circumstances, circumstances change. But there's, there's sometimes, there's certain instances where the sadness is intense, where there's feelings of helplessness and hopelessness and worthless. And these feelings tend to last not just for a day or two, but 
for an extended period of time. And it's something that doesn't just go away. And in those cases, you don't just feel depressed. In those cases, you may have depression. It is known as clinical depression. You know, depression is the dominance and the oppression of negative feelings over our lives. Depression is when those negative feelings, those negative thoughts, they control you, they oppress you, and they don't let you live life as you should. Now, you got to listen. Here's something that that you got to pay attention to. I really mean, mean this, and I think many people need to hear it. There are people who are watching me, who are hearing my voice right now. And they've had a first-hand experience or second-hand experience with depression. And if that's you, I need you to know. I need you to know that God cares about it. I need you to know that God cares about you. You're not odd. You're not less spiritual. You're not under some divine curse. Depression is not a character weakness or a personality trait. It's real. And God cares about it because God cares about you. Now, if you're a Christian, like I am, you know, there's tremendous pressure in our Christian circles to live like we got it all together. Right? How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm good. I'm in victory. There's tremendous pressure to always walk in freedom and and walk in victory and walk in power. And let me tell you, yes. In Jesus Christ, those things can be a reality for us, should be a reality for us. In Jesus Christ, he sets us free. He gives us power. He gives us victory. But what we fail to understand, what we fail to remember, is that in many cases, that's a process. That yes, Jesus breaks chains and that he removes burdens. But that there's also things that we, need to walk out of, that we need to be able to abandon, that we need to be able to leave behind. And that's, that's the approach that, that I'm taking, especially as we talk about depression. And we talked about that last week. You know, we said last week, we only touched on one point. And we said that when you feel depressed, you got to remember Jesus. And the reason you got to remember Jesus is because we looked at Psalms 22 and 23. And they're very opposite psalms. One is complaining to God. One says, God, you're nowhere near me. It feels like you don't care. But the very next psalm, Psalms 23, there's a different attitude. It's an attitude of says, the Lord is my shepherd. And even when I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And we saw how these two psalms were written by the same man, King David. But most importantly, how they point it to Jesus. If you missed that message, we want to encourage you to go back and hear it. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it in our website. And you can find it on Facebook. So I want to continue our conversation on what to do when you feel depressed. And we're going to continue to look at Jesus. Because let me tell you something, church. When you don't know what to do, when you're at odds or you're at a crossroad and you're uncertain and things are not clear, you never go wrong looking at Jesus. In fact, that's what we should be doing all the time. Our eyes should be fixed on Jesus. We should be going to Jesus. And I know that old 90s, I think it was the 90s or 2000s, uh, right? What would Jesus do? Well, we need to constantly ask that. And we're going to ask that. And we're going to look at Jesus as we continue to talk about depression. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor, did Jesus struggle with depression? 
I personally do not believe he did. I do not believe that Jesus had depression. Because once again, depression is the oppression, is the dominance of negative feelings over your life. And I don't believe that these negative feelings ever controlled Jesus. But here's what I do believe. I do believe that Jesus experienced, that Jesus was very familiar with those feelings that lead many of us to depression. I believe that while they didn't overcome him and led him to depression, that he did have to fight with them, that he had to resist them, that he had to overcome them. Look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53 verse 3 about Jesus. Isaiah prophesies and he describes the the coming Messiah, what Jesus would be like, what his ministry would be like, what he would be like. And look at what verse 3 of chapter 53 of Isaiah says. It says, he was despised and rejected. Despised and rejected. Look at this. A man of sorrow acquainted with deepest grief. A man of sorrow. A man who was familiar with some of the worst pain. And you know, there's definitely many occasions in the Gospels where we can uh, see where Jesus was rejected, was despised, where he experienced uh, uh, sorrow, where he experienced grief and sadness. And I know that the number one that comes to mind is the cross. And we know at the cross, Jesus suffered physically. He suffered emotionally. He suffered relationally. And he suffered for us. But there was a moment before the cross. It was the moment right before the cross. Where Jesus experienced great agony. Where Jesus experienced great pain. Where Jesus experienced great sorrow. Where Jesus had to overcome the feelings that for many of us lead us to depression. And the Bible gives us an amazing glimpse into this intimate, powerful moment. And you and I, we can look at Jesus and we can see how he fought off those feelings that lead to depression. And how we can learn from him to be able to do the same and have victory just like he did. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to Matthew 26, 36? We're going to read just a couple of verses. Uh, you may be familiar with this story, but I think it's still good to have your Bibles. You know, I, I, have, I use my digital Bible on my phone, but I also have a physical Bible. And when I do my devotionals, I do it in my physical Bible because um, they, they, they probably can't zoom in. But I'd love to be able to highlight. I'd love to be able to write. I'd love to be able to take notes. And uh, you, I want you to know that you can do that that you should do that as we are going in God's word on Sundays but look at what Matthew 26 36 says then Jesus went with him to the olive grove called Gethsemane and he said sit here while I go over over there to pray he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons James and John and he became anguish and distress he told them my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Listen to that. Pay attention to that. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed, his, and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, not, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Gethsemane. We find Jesus at the garden of Gethsemane. And Gethsemane means olive press. 
And it was in this place where olives were crushed for their oil. And this place where olives were crushed. The son of God, Jesus, was also crushed for you and for me. And you know, for those who've experienced depression, we can definitely identify with the Gethsemane. It is a place of crushing. It is a place of pressing. It is a sad, painful place. And Jesus also had a Gethsemane moment to be able to show us how to endure it. And most importantly, how to have victory in the middle of it. And Jesus' way, Jesus' response at the Garden of Gethsemane is not one that is painless. It's not one that is passive. But it is one that is prevailing. It is one that leads to success. So let's jump on there and let's see what Jesus did that we can do when we feel depressed. When you feel depressed after remembering Jesus, the second thing you do is you choose some close friends to be with you. You choose some close friends to be with you. Church, Jesus in his moment of sorrow, in his crucial hour, he chose some friends to be with him. Look at what verse 37, the part A says. It says, he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. Did you know that Jesus had different relationship levels? The Bible tells us about the crowds and the multitudes. And these were around Jesus. But the Bible also tells us about the 72 disciples. Those that Jesus sent out to go preach and heal the sick. And then there was also the 12 apostles. Those that most of us are familiar with. Those Jesus chose to be with him. But within those 12, there were the three. James, John, and Peter. And these three individuals were Jesus' inner circle. At least in three special intimate occasions, these three individuals were with Jesus. And the Gethsemane is one of those places. But the Bible also tells us that then there was John. John of the three was the disciple known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's my favorite disciple. And what we see Jesus doing here is that in this moment of need, he doesn't go at it alone. Listen to me, if you're struggling with depression, not anyone can walk with you. Not anyone should walk with you. But somebody needs to walk with you. And Jesus chose his three close friends. Now it's very interesting that they couldn't go with him to the cross. The cross was a place that only he could go. But they could go with him to his Gethsemane. They could be there with him. And I know that when you feel depressed, uh, uh, you want to be alone. That's what comes natural. That's your inclination. That's your desire. But you got to listen to me. You will never come out of depression alone. You will not overcome depression if you stay alone. Jesus chose to have three close friends with him. And if Jesus, the son of God, chose friends to be with him, we ought to do the same as well. And church, most of us, we don't do this. Because we, don't, we haven't taken the time to cultivate, to nurture relationships. We're too busy binge watching. We're too busy doing our own thing. And in our time of need, we feel alone because we've been living alone. What do you do with the friends you choose? Well, Jesus did two things. The first thing he did is that he opened his soul to them. 
After you choose your friends, you open your soul to them. Look at what Jesus tells his friends. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. You know, when I was going through my depression, one of the fears and excuses I had for telling anybody was that I thought and I feared their negative response. But let me tell you something. All the friends I opened up to, not one of them judged me. Not one of them shamed me. Not one of them rebuked me. They loved me. They, they, they listened to me. They heard me. And I want to challenge you. If you're struggling with depression, tell somebody. Men, especially men. Men are least likely to open up and seek help when they're struggling with depression. So what do you do with your friends? You open up to them. But the second thing that you do with your friends that Jesus did is you ask for their partnership in battle. You ask for their partnership in battle. Look at what Jesus not only tells Peter, James, and John, but what he asks of them. In, in verse 38, part V, he says, he told them, stay here and keep watch with me. Last week, I share how one of the toughest weekends for me during my time of depression was, was uh, Easter weekend. That Friday, my Friday morning, my brother got married. Uh, after lunch, my dad and I, we jumped in a car and I drove them down to Ensenada only to wake up at three in the morning that Saturday and drive back to L.A. so that I could be here for our first Easter service uh, on Saturday night. And it was a tough weekend. And I remember that Saturday as I was trying to do my best to have my best uh, foot forward and have my best face, a friend of mine showed up, a friend who knew what was going on. I didn't ask him to. I didn't know he was coming. He just showed up. And when he showed up, he told me, Nestor, I want you to know I'm here for you. I want you to know I'm here with you. And you know, I preached. We had our service, which was a wonderful service. But after service... We cried, we prayed, we talked. And let me tell you, having friends that you can open up to, that can support you, that can partner with you in your battle, makes all the difference. And I know some of you guys say, Pastor, well, I don't have anybody like that, Pastor. I've shared with you in previous occasions, and I'll continue to share this. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do is to change the friendships you have. Some of you, you have nobody because you've been making the wrong choice when it comes to friends. And you need, you need to let the Holy Spirit transform you. And you, need, you need to make some tough choices and begin to nurture relationships because you're going to need them. The third thing that we do to overcome depression is you pour out your heart in prayer to the Father. You pour out your heart in prayer to the Father. Jesus opened his heart to his friends but he, Jesus opened up his heart to his friends, but he poured out his heart to the Father. Look at what verse 39 says. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Listen, when you're depressed, you don't feel like praying. When you're depressed, you don't have words to pray. And if we're honest, when you're depressed, the prayers that would come out of you, they're not pretty. But listen to me. God can handle your prayers. Your prayers don't scare God. 
I want you to notice something. Jesus was sent to this world to carry our sins, to pay for our curse. And yet, at the moment before he goes to the cross, Jesus prays to the Father. He pours out his heart to the Father and he says, God, if it is, if it is possible for this cup of suffering to be taken away from me, would you do it? Here's the translation. Jesus says, I know why I was sent. I know what I need to do. I know the cross is necessary. But God, is there another way? Jesus poured out his heart to the Father. And you know, there was times when my prayers were not pretty before God. There was times where my prayers were, God, I am done. God, I am tired. Yet other times my prayer were, God, I'm sorry. God, I need help. And yet other times there were no words. There were just tears. There was, there was just weeping. But let me tell you something. No matter my prayer, every time I poured out my heart to God, He embraced me. He loved me. He could handle my prayers. And you may be wondering, well, Nestor, how do you know God could handle your prayers? Well, I know he could handle my prayers for two important reasons. One, because of who he is. Because of his character. Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And second, I know that regardless of my prayers, God could handle them. And he embraced me and he loved me. It's because I'm standing here. Because without his embrace, without his love, my story would be a complete different one. So pour out your heart in prayer. I heard a poem, I read a poem this week that I want to read to you. To encourage you to pour out your heart to God. The poem says, pour out your doubt your hurts and your fears to him, for he is able to wipe away every tear. Pour out your hopes, your desires and your dreams to him, for he is able to answer every prayer. God can heal your hurts. God can make right your wrongs. God can give you strength to your weakness and meaning to your life. Whatever the trouble, whatever the dream, pour it out to God. Pour out your heart and prayer to the Father. Number four, to overcome depression, rest your soul in God's wisdom. Rest your soul in God's wisdom. Jesus poured his heart to the Father. He told him how he felt. He told him what he wanted, but he submitted to God's will. He trusted God's sovereign will. Look at what verse 39, that second part of that verse, how Jesus ends his prayer. He says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You need to know that God is sovereign. And sovereign means that God does as he pleases. That God is God and he doesn't need your permission and he doesn't need my permission. That God is sovereign and he is above all things. But not only is God sovereign, God is also wise. And what that means is that God does what he pleases, but he knows what he's doing. The Bible speaks about knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And all three things come from God and are found in God. Knowledge is to have data, to have information, to, 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 to know something. Understanding. 
means that you know what that, what that data, what that information means, how it affects, how it connects. But wisdom, wisdom is when you know how to take that knowledge, that, 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 that information, and you use it properly. It's to take your understanding and your knowledge and you apply it correctly. That's wisdom. So when I tell you to trust God's sovereign wisdom, it's because he knows what's going on in you and through you. Because he understands how it affects you and how it connects in your life. But most importantly, he knows how to get you out. And he knows how to use it for the good of others. You know, during my season of depression, I prayed many times, God, you knew this would happen. God, we, we always, my wife and I, we always seek your will, Lord. And we don't move without your will. You knew this would happen. You knew I would respond this way. Why not a different way? You know, I didn't understand then what I'm beginning to understand now. That God knew what he was doing with my depression. And that God was using it. Last week was the second time that I share my testimony. The first time was at a man's camp that I was invited. And God used it to heal men. God used it to give men an opportunity to open up and admit their pains, admit their hurts, and find healing in Jesus. Last week, I shared it with you guys. And I shared it with La Iglesia en el Camino. This week, I was informed that over 60,000 people have seen that, that service. And you know what? I praise God for it. Because he's using my testimony, he's using my story to bring encouragement and hope to those that are where I was. But here's another thing. And Pastor Frank pointed this out to me. Because I overcame my depression, I am better for it in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again, church. I am better for it in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. If the devil wanted to take me out, he should have done it then. Because he's going to have a harder time taking me out now. I am more resilient. I am more passionate. I am deeply rooted. I am more firm. I am more determined in Christ and for Christ. Because I found victory in Jesus Christ. I am learning to trust his sovereign wisdom. So you may not know why. You may not understand what for but you can find rest in the sovereign wisdom of God last but not least when you feel depressed you open up to friends you pour out to God you rest in God's wisdom but you also need to fix your eyes on the glorious future you also need to fix your eyes on the glorious future the cross was painful. The cross was a shame. The cross was difficult for Jesus. But he endured it. He went through it because he knew what awaited him on the other side. He knew that the cross was not his end. And I want to tell you that in Jesus Christ, depression doesn't have to be your end. Just as the cross was not the end for Jesus, depression doesn't have to be the end for you. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 2. He says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. You know, when we're depressed, 
Depression is the constant listening of our negative thoughts and our negative feelings. And it seems like our negative feelings and our negative thoughts are constantly shouting at us. And they're shouting negativity. They're shouting misery. They're shouting hopelessness. When you're depressed, you need to be able to talk to yourself. You need to be able to preach to yourself. You got to be able to encourage yourself. Don't just listen to yourself. You got to talk to yourself. David also did this. David constantly encouraged himself. He constantly found strength in the Lord. He constantly reminded himself of the future, of the promises, of the good that that awaited him. He knew that difficult seasons would come to pass. He knew that they would end. And he would encourage himself by reminding himself to look forward to good things. Let me share one example with you. Psalms 43 verse 5 says the following. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I again, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David says, I know what I'm going through. I know that there's difficulty. I know that there's darkness. I know that there's death around me. But I know that the time will come when I shall praise him once again. Let me tell you something. I, when I'm feeling down, because although I've overcome depression, I have a responsibility to walk in that freedom now. And whenever I start feeling down, I remind myself of the good that's to come tomorrow. I anticipate with joy the memories that my wife and I will create and experience in the years to come. I anticipate seeing my kids grow up and and discover their purpose. I anticipate with joy the day that they will get married and build a family. I anticipate with excitement the day that my dad will be restored and restored to us because I know that will happen. I anticipate with excitement the fact that God will continue to use me and my wife for his glory. And I am excited about those promises, about those gifts that God has for me that I am not aware of, but that he has set for me to enjoy. And you see, I fix my eyes on Jesus. And I know that his plans are good for me. So I not just listen to myself. Most importantly, I talk to myself. And I tell myself to look towards the glorious future that awaits me. Not just in heaven, but also here in the land of the living. I'm going to ask Stephen if he would come up and help us with the piano, and I'm going to ask him to also get ready. And I just want to share a story with you. I want to end with a story. Then I've asked him to come, and she's one of our licensed professional counselors. And if you need to talk, to talk to somebody, she's one of the many people we have here at Dayspring that you could talk to. And I've asked her to pray for us. And if you're struggling with depression... If you're struggling with any negative feeling, but especially depression, she's going to come and she's going to minister to us. And I believe that the Spirit of God is going to move. But before she comes, I want to end with a story. The story says that a man was going through the road when he suddenly tripped and fell into a deep, dark hole. He did all he could to get out, but he couldn't. When all of a sudden a religious man passed by and he saw that man in the hole and he said to the man, simply declare your victory 
and you should and you shall come out. Then a legalist passed by and also saw that man and said to the man, if you had followed the rules, you would have never fallen on that hole. A Buddhist passed by, saw the man and also said to him, your hole is only a state of mind. A Hindu also passed by, saw the man and said to the man, that hole is your karma. A Muslim passed by, saw that man and said to the man, that hole is a lost will for you. But the story says that Jesus saw that man on that deep, dark hole. He went down, he rescued him, he cleaned him up, he loved him, and he walked with him. My friend, that's the difference between Jesus and everyone else. And I want to tell you that the same Jesus who walked into my mess to rescue me is the same Jesus that can walk into your mess to rescue you. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.
We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.